1: Hi, everybody. This is The Ruck, the most praised, the most brilliant, the most consistent, and uh, the longest-running podcast. This is our pod number 67,433. At least, that's how it feels sometimes. We've just had, before we came on there, the traditional two and a half hours of IT fun. This week, featuring Owen Slot saying, what the effing hell have I done with this? We're joined by Owen Slot and crossing the river for a rare uh, visit south of the river, Adam Hathaway. The only reason he used to come south of the river was to meet the Cray Twins uh, several years ago at their peak. It's been an amazing weekend. We have a brand new uh, champion of the Premier 15s, the women's competition. Harlequins have finally beaten Saracens. And joking apart, if anyone wants to know what a real rugby report reads like, or looks like, you really should read Owen on the final today. Absolutely brilliant, if I may say so, Slotty. Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, not, not at all. It, it is absolutely brilliant. Those Cray seen, twins, were um, they,
2: what did they, second row, Hathers or where did they play? Well,
1: they were north of the river, for starters. In the, the, when you saw him, well, you used to see him in the Blind Beggar, didn't you? Okay. Um, <laughs> Lawrence can't be with us this week. He, we were hoping he'd join us from, his, uh, from our Devon studios. But uh, because we imposed a ban on any discussion of Chelsea winning the European Cup, he sulked off and refused to come on. So there's just the three of us this week. Also, on a personal note, my maidenhead, Iron Maidens, played their first ever game. I must mention that. We lost the, the girls, the ladies played heroically. We were up against a a ruck regular in Nigel Botherway and his Tamesians team. (laughs) And uh, Botherway's um, tactic of asking us to play on a pitch that was six miles long and four miles wide seemed to suit his team. Well done, hard luck ladies. Owen, Harlequin's Saracens, you describe it as this was a thunderous and riveting final. It was a showpiece of quality, and nail-biting entertainment. Can you expand on that? God,
2: it was it was a great day, Jonesy. It was a, a real hardcore final. And um, if you've been following the Premier Fifteens uh, over the over the last few months, you'll know that the players have have enjoyed that their law variations uh, that they that that's given way to. Um, uh, a more more running rugby and um, uh, more handling rugby and has slightly um slightly toned down the uh, the forward battle. Well, in the final yesterday, there was none of that whatsoever. It was a it was a proper war up front. Uh, it was won by uh, Harlequins forwards, uh, but it was all about heart and soul and character and courage, and uh, it, it uh, had a had a sort of an epic kind of finish. So th- these games are seventy minutes long. And in the, in the uh, 56th minute, two Harlequins uh, women, two of their senior players, Abby Ward and uh, Amy Kokane, both got yellow cards. So they were defending a uh, defending their lead for uh, for 10 minutes with uh, with only 13 players on the pitch. Somehow they held out, and, and it, so it, it had an epic quality, and it felt a special day to be there. And then um, uh, at the end, it was almost stolen by the post match interview, with Shauna Brown, the we. Uh, the player of the match, who was just so, so delighted that Harlequins had finally got over the
1: line. I don't know, is this an emotional occasion, really? Adam, um, as much as we uh, it pains us to say it, I suppose, it was a Harlequins double on the weekend. Not only were the ladies to win on mm. the Sunday, but uh, we saw an excellent performance by Quinns on the, on the Saturday, and which, something which almost led the Harlequins pitch announcer to blow a gasket. We're seeing some great rugby, Hathas, at the moment. Loads of tries. Are we seeing something that's slightly debasing tries, or are we seeing true, <laughs> true classics? Well,
3: that that game which we were both at on Saturday, I think Jerry Flannery, the Harlequins defence coach, narrowed it when he afterwards when he said, you know, they're not going to win the title playing like that, but they're great going forward. Um, defence was optional. Maybe the women's defence coach could get in there and. Uh, Give them a go if they can defend with 13 players. I mean, it, was, it was a terrific occasion getting the fans back and everything. But uh, And they are great going forward. I saw them described the, in one paper this morning as the Harlem Globetrotters of rugby. Well, maybe if they score 100 points, they uh, they might win the
1: title. You know, I'm always I a little bit worried about 56, 55 games. Or, I actually thought there was a lot of genuine, clasp, really good young players there. It was just so lovely to see Max Ajomo taking the Ajomo name back into the into the pro game. Um, I, I I thought it was it was value for money. If you were a fan, if you bought your dad there, if you come into the first time, or if you bought your your kids, I, I I actually thought there was some great rugby, didn't you? As, as well as a couple of defensive errors.
2: Do you boys think that there's a seriously chance that Quinns can play like that and topple one of the other top three in the in the playoffs? I mean, surely that's not going to win you a title.
1: I, I'll tell you what I, I'm I find myself slightly at divergence now. I mean, I I think. I don't think they're favourites by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to have to go away somewhere horrible in the semi-final. But it's not as if they haven't got words there, you know, sort of go through a scrum and come out the other side as if the other lot didn't exist. And um, Don Brandt was, uh, was his usual self. And they got some players there. So I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I really don't. Again, we, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, so, but Owen, oh, in, in a few weeks' time, you and I are going to South Africa And we're looking forward to it up to a point. Yesterday, the South African president, Cyril Ramaphosa, came out and uh, portrayed a real downer in terms of the COVID situation over there. Uh, 11 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. curfew. Well, the 4 a.m. curfew is not not going to affect us very much, but uh, restaurants, bars and gyms shut at 10 o'clock. No fans in games, but mainly the virus is surging. It's It's gone up by 66% in two weeks. Only 1.5% of the population, that's not 1.5 million, only 1.5% of the population has been vaccinated. Should we be now worried about the Lions tour with this latest presidential statement?
2: I've been trying trying to get my head around this. What would it take to cancel the tour? Because... The- the tour the tour as a health danger is... They've limited the health dangers as far as it can go, really, haven't they? I mean, there, there's going to be bubbles all round. There's no fans. Uh, the travel's been um, brought to almost nothing. It's not a proper tour. It's just joburg Joe Cape Town, joburg So as the virus soars, to what extent are we putting people's lives at risk? So I think, Jonesy, that maybe they would have to if it gets worse maybe you get to a stage where they can't play the warm-up series in South Africa unless they tell every team they play against they've got to be in a in a bubble for x number of weeks beforehand you can put the you can put the box in the in a bubble and you could keep the Lions in Europe and get them to play a few warm-up games over here I'm sure that could be organized but uh I don't I don't think they can cancel
1: it now I, i I,
2: I, how much, I mean, what do you think? How much worse would it have to get
1: for them to cancel it? We're reporters, okay? We're going to report. But it, 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 I, I think that when things start surging, you say viruses are surging, then you think, well, me, you know, we're, we're going to spend all our time locked down totally. Uh, otherwise, there's going to be danger to the players and to fellow visitors. So, you know, w- when viruses are surging, then I don't think that anything, anything is safe. <clears> I, re- I really don't. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being gloomy. I, I, do, I really do hope it's on. I don't really want to be in a bubble with you and my journalist colleagues, as I don't like any of you very much. But um, I think that um, it's it's, it's, it's now seriously getting very difficult. I really do. I, I, I think that, what are we, four weeks out?
3: I think you can be pretty safe in saying it, it probably won't take the form that it's supposed to, even at the moment.
2: What do you mean? It won't take the form it's supposed to. Well,
3: the, the itinerary we've got at the moment—I I can't see that lasting.
2: Can you? Why? Because there's too many. They'll be playing too many teams, and therefore exposing. Yeah, to, yeah. So, so what do
3: you think they'll do? do? They just
2: limit it to a test series
1: then, or? Well, it could do, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that—that that really is. That's not close a problem, to is the it? low, but that, that thats a—that's a struggle. It's not a lines two then, and how the heck do you do? You, you know, make a case to get in the lines test team when there's nowhere. To make your case. So, can we just that, rewind
2: a, a minute, Jones? It's a bit, just a bit disappointed to say that you, you don't like your media colleagues and you don't want to be in a bubble with them. Um, yeah, I mean that's. I don't know. I just, I just think after you know a, 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 a number of years touring together, I thought we'd got got over all our problems, but you, they, they're still out there, are they?
1: Well, they surface on tours. There's no doubt about that. They surface on tours. Yeah, Some people go out there and they don't buy a drink in the whole th- two months. Uh, Etc. Some people uh, never go to press conferences, but I promise to go this time. Um, anyway, that's the, that's the, that's the lines for now. I hope I haven't depressed you uh, and not uh, depressed the idea of you watching great rugby over the over the summer. Let's just go back to uh, the girls and uh, your your favourite player of the day. Um, oh, in Shauna Brown. Shauna is front row forward for England and for Harlequins. Uh, absolutely brilliant spokesman for uh, woman for the game, and uh, she was saying on the weekend, uh, Owen, as you quoted her, "This is not just about rugby, this is not just about sport. It is about women, and it is about women, and putting us on a platform." Are they finally now getting the recognition uh, that they have deserved for so, for so long? In and, and typified by the words of Shauna Brown.
2: Well, uh, I'd probably say no because of all the um, my fellow rugby correspondents, love, the, love them all as I do. There were only two of us there. I mean, the other papers covered them, but I thought it was something that the, uh, the rugby correspondents themselves should be at. So, um, so no, they're not getting completely. But I, I tell you <laughs> one. So I quoted that 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 quote you read out from from Shauna Brown. I, I put up at the top of my, my match report. But for me, one of the. Um, one of the signs of, of of where yesterday why yesterday's game was was uh, was significant is cuz significance cuz i have found that when i've i've covered and written about women's rugby it's been too often the story has been about this is women's rugby and what do we think of women's rugby and is it catching up with the men and are we supporting it and how is it development going and you're talking about it as a, as an issue itself rather than the game itself whereas yesterday I'd, if Shauna Brown hadn't opened her mouth and said what she said, I probably wouldn't have written any of that stuff. I'd have just written a match report because it was, in its own right, it was, it was a really, really good game. And, and I thought that, that was the statement of it, of, of where, where the women's game has come. is because I wasn't thinking, I wasn't sitting there going, Oh, we must do this, or or it's you know, women's the women's game is catching up.
1: And you're um, uh, known as the king of Fleet Street. Uh, you understand um, newspapers as well as anyone I've come across, especially tabloids. It's not quite yet reached what you might call the tabloid perception. Uh, would you say would you say that's true, or is it on the way?
3: Uh, no, it's not on the way at all. I've had a fix through the papers this morning. It's hardly mentioned in the red tops. The one thing I would say about Shauna Brown is. Um, when one of the world's leading tennis players is refusing to speak to the media or threatening to speak to the media, I think it's quite refreshing to see our interview today
1: Yeah, sure, I agree with that. I also think that um, in the women's game, and the men's game now, there is so little, so few characters allowed to shine through because of media policies and yeah. people just miffed with the media, but there are just great characters in there. You know, you see, you saw, obviously, Sh- Shauna, uh, Rachel Burford finally gets her hands on the trophy they all speak well. Last week, I was I spent some time with uh, Leanne Riley, the Scrum Half, Harlequin Scrum Half, and these these girls are just fantastic ambas- ambassadors. But uh, Owen, I totally agree with what you say. Sometimes everyone, including journalists from uh, w- women journalists, they cover everything as if it is a, a a means to an end. Sometimes you should just cover these things as great matches and leave the rest to. Uh, you know, leave the rest to fate and to uh, people's impressions. It's a great match, and why Why would you go on further than that? But also, Steve, there's, there's one thing the men's game can learn from women is that
3: interview with Shauna Brown. I mean, how many times have we done a post match and walked away and thought there's nothing to say there?
1: Absolutely. So let's not say. Women's games got a lot to learn from the men's. What about, what about vice versa? Steve, what,
2: what, I mean, is, would this be a, a good time to um, mention the name Henry Slade? Because we, we just said, oh, the men's, men, men's players don't speak up much or say, don't, don't say very much like Shauna Brown did. So Henry Slade gave that interview um, to our rivals, <laughs> Turn her off. and uh, and Henry Slade uh, said that he was an anti vaxxer in the, in the interview. Which you you may disagree with, and I think probably ninety nine percent people probably do. I disagree with it completely. But having voiced an opinion we, within twenty four hours, a statement had come out in his name retracting what he was saying. So, are, are we actually allowed to have an opinion? Are well, we allowing our players to have an opinion?
1: Good point. Well, what you answer your own question? Because we surely, surely we should be allowing them to have an opinion.
2: Well. I mean, I, I think this is—I think it's a—it's fa- a fascinating subject. I would like, you know, freedom of speech, Christ with the media. Uh, yes, we, I do believe in the freedom of speech, but is—is um, uh, is it clever or safe for a—a a role model or someone that kids look up to, or, or or other people look up look up to, to be voicing opinions that might influence them? I mean, maybe we should turn to the um, to the medic on this uh, podcast, uh, Adam oh, here we go. A- Adam yeah. Hathaway. I oh, know, Adam. Did you think it, is it is it okay for for someone to to voice an opinion which could be regarded as dangerous in a way?
3: Of course, Henry Slade allowed to voice his opinions. I think everyone should be allowed to voice their opinions. But what has been um, left out of some of the reporting is one of the quotes in that original interview was because of his medical condition. Anyway, he's a diabetic, as we know, and I think this whole thing was to promote diabetes awareness. He's had issues with other vaccinations before, so he's. Making
1: his choice based on his own health. Oh, and do you allow anyone to say anything about any issue, racial, you know, etc.? But uh, I mean, Henry State, first of all, is a bloody good bloke. He's unlucky not to be on the Lions tour. I think he's one of those players that Eddie Jones has, has, has put a career into reverse by never using him properly. But uh,
2: just, on, just on Henry and the Lions. Um, maybe this is another one for dr athaway but if bundyaki uh, uh, was injured tomorrow and and henry was the next on the list is he threatening his um participation by refusing to have the vaccine or or actually hasn't refused let, we have to get that right by by not um by considering not having the vaccine would i mean should he be allowed to go
1: he can't go in all in all um, honesty unless he has the vaccine because then you you you're really making a difficult situation for the rest of the team absolutely horrendous so that you've got you've got to do right by your teammates
2: well i'd like to just clarify my position here that if the bars don't open beyond 10 p.m then i'm not having my second vaccine okay, so i won't be able enough.
0: to go jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it
1: Just go back to the premiership, we've had a very, very high scoring and interesting end to this season. We've now got two games left for everybody as they try to jostle for position in the top four. Owen, yesterday we saw Exeter make a huge statement, 74 points against a decent side like Newcastle. Does that suggest to you that they're timing it perfectly as usual? It would appear so. Uh, that's not the only big win they've
2: had recently. They, um, They've had a couple of them, but uh, they've also got the the advantage of of having been there and done it. You know, they they they've been through this process. They they've won it uh, twice. They've been in they've been in losing finals and learned learned their lessons from there. And as we know that, that that's a process to to get to know how to win and and they, they so they've got that advantage over the and others the, as well. Um,
1: sale, we've had this question before, but we keep on thinking, well, they're not quite there. They might fall away. They are still going strong and they're getting bigger and meaner and now they've got Manu Tuleghi back. We've always thought it's going to sort of be between Bristol and Exeter but now are there three or even four genuine contenders for the title now? I, I reckon Sale could give this a real crack. There's still a possibility
3: they could get um, home, semi, uh, home semi-final if my maths are right. Yeah. But uh, what they did on Friday, I mean, that's a... That was a pretty uh, all bells and whistles Bristol team. And it was fantastically nil-nil at halftime, which is great to see. Defe- it was still a great game, even though people might look at it and think, um, you know, when you served up 90 points and 80 points in every other game, they might think that was terrible. It was an absolutely compelling first half. They played great in the second half. I think they could give someone a real crack.
1: So what you're oh. saying is it doesn't have to be 96-95 to be a great game. It exactly. can be nil-nil.
3: Exactly, and the other one thing I would say, in Harlequins did run Exeter and Bristol close away from home in the regular season. The Exeter game, Exeter weren't fully loaded, but Bristol were, and they gave them a good crack as well.
1: Yeah, and um, it's it's interesting because the last uh, on the on the last day of the regular season, uh, Sale have to go to Exeter. But the question is, they'll already be guaranteed then. I would have thought uh, a top. Well, they would be guaranteed the top four place may not be guaranteed um, a, a a home tie. So that'll be interesting to see whether Sale actually field a team down there or just take it as a rest week. So it's interesting. Slotty, can we look beyond Exeter and possibly Bristol or either of the other two taking your fancy as possible contenders?
2: I, I'm with Hathers in, in that um, Sale seem to have a, a, a momentum um, uh, so I, I, I'm impressed with them. I mean, uh, Harlequins is a, is, a, is a bit of a romantic story, isn't it? With the, with the old um, where you can score ten tries and we'll score eleven type approach. The the, the problem with Quins, though, is that they need to try and tighten up because you, you you're not going to win it unless you tighten up. But the the, the, way, the game they're practicing every week is is still this, this Harlem Globetrotters version, so I just, I, I can't see them getting through a semi final, but uh, it, it'll be fun fun watching them try.
1: Okay, I, I, I Adam, mean, this just uh, I did, that's slightly a, a divergence as well here because you know I've, they did, did put um, uh, they did put Bath to the sword. Uh, in up front, Adam, with of Brown being a great character, what about the other front row man of the week from Harlequins? Joe Just is, is, the, is the prop and the character that keeps on giving. He is um, on and
3: off the field. He's in the form of his life. He couldn't, if he'd have, I mean, he'd be sort of uh, intimated that he wanted to go on the Lions tour. So he couldn't have been a million miles away. I'm not sure what England will do with him in the summer if he decides he wants to play, but um, he can be good value off the pitch. Sometimes he plays the clown too often um off the pitch impresses but uh, we've all had that with him but uh he's a good addition to the game that's for sure how, i think, I think
2: we know we, i think we know why joe wasn't picked for the lions don't we i mean he he's he's admitted it himself that he oh yeah possibly he, yeah that, that he um he, he wasn't a good tourist in in uh, new zealand in 2017 that he 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 didn't do the good, the good um dirt trackers thing and he was um a bit narky and, and whingy off the side and and that. So, and he, he regrets that himself. He's been quite open about it. Said he said he wish he, wish he, he could go on this tour so he could um,
1: tour properly and and, and and be a good tourist rather than a cynical tourist. Guys, let's like to go on to one more topic which is really bugging me TMO. The, the, that bugs everybody I know. But just recently, the TMO function appears to be taken over by a gang, by an endless debate by marching across the field, looking at various replays. And it, it, it's become a little self-righteous and a bit cloying for me. And I thought that on the weekend, the TMO did not work at all well. I thought there was, there was arguments there, there were things they... The, 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 there is no guarantee, even with 20 cameras, in my opinion, that the TMO gets things right. And we're going back further and further... And it's taking longer and longer. The two-hour game is now more often than not. Adam, did you find that on the weekend, TMO was a bit of a pain? Yeah, the one, the one thing with the
3: TMO is when it was brought in, they everybody said, you know, we've got to get these decisions right, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> taking it back, you know, five phases for a knock-on of three-quarters of an inch is ridiculous. But quite often... <laughs> I don't like the TMO instructing the referee that they've seen such and such. It should be there for the ref's benefit. Yeah. They are technically a referee's assistant, so they should stick to being an assistant, not being the sort of dictator in the box. And also sometimes they get it wrong anyway, even when they're the tapes. I
2: just like your um your suggestion, Jonesy, that they the TMOs have been taken over by some sort of gap. Um I mean, is is that sort of fueled by um I don't know, the all blacks or Nigel Ray or some sort of insidious sort of influence on the game or what do you um, mean
1: insidious influence? Do you mean the owner of the Great Saracens Club? Just no, what,
2: the, what, what,
1: I mean is, what I mean is that now, now for the big games, a gang of referees do it. It's not a TMO anymore, a, a just a bona fide TMO. It's a top referee. So you get four top referees all debating. It's like the the, the Court of Appeal judgment. All they, all they miss is the Wigs. So I, I just think that um, they should keep the TMO not independent, but they should just make him someone who's a television match official. That's what he does. Uh, and the gang comes from everybody. You know, <coughs> when you get ten, four referees there, or even five, all of whom have refereed 50 internationals, it does sound more like the high court or the old Bailey yeah. than, the, than, than a rugby match. And I, I think that he's taken over just a little bit too much.
2: Can I, can I say something
1: sensible on this?
2: Yeah. Um one thing that has happened during Covid is that the traditional tier of TMOs have been underused or hardly used at all because the Premiership wanted to keep the number of uh, of officials traveling to the minimum. So so that's why you've seen people like Wayne Barnes in doing the TMO job more than the, the usuals like Rowan Kit for instance who you'd see at a um, at a Premiership
1: game every week. So I I think that, that might be one reason um why why okay. That, that's it. That's very, that's very interesting. It'll be interesting to see now that the restrictions are going down, whether they get the TMOs back. But I didn't know that, and thank you for that well, well-researched okay. point of information. I'm glad you think I said something interesting, James. Well you did see it something interesting. Yeah, I, Three yeah. weeks ago, I think it was. Um, no, so, sorry, you're always interesting, my friend. That's really kind um, of you. Th- There's just uh, two games left of the Premiership. Let's just go out on a limb a little tiny bit and say, who's going to win the Premiership? And who's going to be in the final? Adam Hathaway, uh, sorry, Dr. Hathaway, your premiership finalists and your premiership winner.
3: Premiership finalists are, oh, let's go out on a limb, say Exeter and Sale, Exeter win it. Owen Slot. I,
2: I, I, so I'm struggling with that. Extra and Sale are going to play each other in the semis, I, I would have thought. So um, I, I'm not going to say Exeter-Sale. I mean, I, that's just what I'm guessing. I think the final will be Exeter-Bristol and I think that uh, Exeter will win it. Oh, my, I, track,
1: man. I'm just looking at the maths. Uh, that that is uh, very difficult to argue with because Exeter uh, have been slightly low profile of late, and Br- uh, Bristol have, have led all the way and, and done wonderfully. But it, it is a bit like, uh, do you remember that guy Dave Wattle in one of the Olympics who you never saw him in a race till the last three yards, and when he came late, well, I think that probably is what Exeter are going to do. First, Dave Wattle. Dave Wattle. What did he Dave, do? Eight hundred meters. All right. Yeah, but you never saw him to the last four strides, and you won the gold medal.
2: Good, good old Dave,
1: huh? Keep keep up, slotty. Will you? You know, well, I thought I thought I was an Olympic specialist, but but um, I'm, I'll have to do my research on Big Dave. Is there any sport I don't know all all about? Honestly, there's not many. Okay, it's time for God or Goddess of the Week, and we'll start with Adam Hathaway.
3: Okay. Just an honourable mention. I took my kids up to do the Spurs Skywalk on Thursday where you walk around the stadium hooked up like Chris Bonington and we were taken up there by a woman called Abby who was a brilliant guide and got us all down safely so she was a contender but the winner is a guy who's played 300 games for Northampton 300th on Saturday all in the front row Danny Kerr did it for Harlequins recently earlier this season but that was playing at Scrum so my God of the Week is Alex Waller
1: uh, that's a good one, and an honourable mention for Danny Care who's playing out of his skin. Owen, God or goddess? Well, I was going to say Dave Wattle, who is the uh, 1972
2: Olympic 800 meter uh, gold 1968. medalist.
1: 1968,
2: no, 72. Oh, 72. And, uh, sorry, sorry. And uh, well known um, for uh, wearing a golf cap while running. Yeah.
1: Uh, so he also uh, went went around with a golf trolley.
2: Yeah. He went. He went around with a golf trolley, a set of irons, and he still won in 1972. Yeah. And I, w- I, w- I was going to say him because I don't think we've mentioned him enough on this show. But I, w- I will revert to revert to type to. I revert to a player we've talked about already on this podcast. To the uh, magnificent Shauna Brown, who was the player of the day yesterday in the final. A magnificent on and off the pitch. Uh, quite a
1: stupendous uh, player. So she my goddess of the week. Okay, well, congratulations to Harlequins. My goddesses are both great leaders, great players. Rachel Burford deserves all the credit in the world for everything she's done for (coughs) the women's game. It was desperate to see her go off yesterday and wonderful to see her take the title. Also, I'd like to, almost jointly with Rachel, nominate Emma MacDonald, my own captain, who played so brilliantly yesterday and is such a wonderful leader. Leadership is everything, as I prove every week on this podcast. Thank <laughs> you for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Adam Hathaway and <laughs> Owen Slot. The climax of the season is upon us. The Lions tour may or may not be upon us. The women's game coming through strongly, not only on the field, but in perceptions of it, and led by Shauna Brown and led by Harlequins. Uh, and what a weekend it was. Uh, for harlequin so shauna brown joe marler who says that rugby doesn't have great characters thank you for listening